Just as Pavlov's dogs' mouths began to water when they heard the ringing of a bell, so does the dulcet tones of Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass elicit a feeling of giddy anticipation in the heart of the baseball nerd. Well, I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. Loyal listeners will remember back all the way to last week when I interviewed Jeff Young of Duck Snorts. Beyond the fact that Mr. Young was a nice guy to talk to, that interview represented an opportunity to speak to a team-oriented blogger, one with sabermetric leanings. Here we go even further down that path. My guest today is Justin Mary of Red Reporter and Beyond the Box Score. If the name Justin Mary itself doesn't sound familiar, perhaps Justin Inaz or Ginaz does. Those are a couple of pseudonyms by which you will have probably read Mr. Mary's work. In what follows, I discuss the Cincinnati Reds with Mr. Mary. We look at a team that has maybe surprised a number of people, having captured the NL Central Crown. I ask Mr. Mary not only to speculate on what has gotten the team here, but also to make some bold predictions about the Reds in the playoffs. Additionally, I ask him about Dusty Baker and his new three-year contract. And finally, we look forward to the Cincinnati Reds of 2011 and 2012. Here is my interview with Justin Mary on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Yes, indeed, it is uh, another white-hot edition of Fangraphs Audio. I can only imagine it, it will be one, at least. Um, if the listeners um, uh, were familiar or they got a chance to listen to my interview with Jeff Young of Duck Snorts last week, um, then you might have some idea of what to expect. My guest today is uh, a character who you might know by the name Justin Inaz, um, or maybe J- JNAZ, something like that. Uh, he's contributed... Um, a bunch to uh, Red Reporter and Beyond the Box Score currently. Uh, he's also contributed to Hardball Times in the past and also, I believe, Justin in his basement. Um, he's a Reds fan. Uh, he's, a, he's a man who uses the faculty of reason, um, which is something to commend him for. His name is Justin Mary. Justin, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good, yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm happy to have you, in fact. Um, I think it's pretty clear, uh, again, as I started to say here, uh, you know, I talked with Jeff Young last week about the Padres and their chances, um, and also, you know, how how that team has gotten to where it is, which is a, a curious thing. Um, the Reds uh, are even sort of, at this point, uh, better off than um, than the Padres, because as we speak, the, the Padres, I think, maybe have a 15-ish percent uh, uh, chance of making the playoffs. The Reds have a 100% chance because they've already clinched. Um, my guess is uh, my guess is that that's not something that you expected would happen uh, when the season began. So uh, I would like to ask you two questions simultaneously. The first one will be quick. Uh, it will be uh, a you know what what percentage uh, what percentage of a chance did you give the Reds of making the playoffs uh, when the season began? And, and secondly. Or B, I forget what I said. Um, uh, what what happened? How did, how did they get to this place, and why why are they so far ahead of the Cardinals? Yeah, well, I can take the first one. Um, I actually do. I, I sort of habitually try to do some kind of a team projection in the off season, and I think I had them pegged at seventy three wins uh, based on you know all the various projection systems and such. So I, I missed badly, and I'm and obviously really thrilled about that, but. Um, it's been a really surprising year. I mean, from that regard, I mean, I think I was probably in the low end. A lot of people have them as being about a 500 ball club. I don't think very many people expected that they might win 90 games, and they very well might this year. 
um, if they can finish off the season pretty strong here. Um, they, I, I think the, the, the key thing, as I see it, is I saw them as kind of an average-ish pitching team, and that's about what they are. I saw them as a plus fielding team, and that's about what they are. But the hitting was, has just been, I think, really surprising. I mean, they were one of the worst hitting teams in the league last year. And this year they are, you know, among the top couple of hitting teams, you know, by almost any measure that you do. And, um, I mean, there's a few reasons for that. I mean, one is Joey Votto has had a spectacular year, of course. But um, another thing I think is really critical about them is that they uh, really haven't had very many holes. I mean, aside from Orlando Cabrera, who sort of fortunately has had injury problems, um, they, they really, I mean, top to bottom of their lineup, they're at least average. I mean, the catchers are hitting well. Um, they have, you know, Brandon Phillips is a good hitter. He's not a great hitter, but he's a good hitter. Um, and all around the diamond, basically, they've got good, solid hitting, sort of top to bottom. And I think that's, that plus some pretty good performances off the bench has been the real difference where, you know, prior years, they would have black holes at positions. You know, they had Willie Tavares as the starting center fielder last year. And this year, they have Drew Stubbs. He hasn't been great, but he's had enough power that he's been a pretty good hitter. And, um, and uh, coupled with his really good defense, I mean, he's been a very good player for him. So, well, I don't. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I know that one of the things for the Padres, for example, was uh, replacing Brian Giles, who, you know, for, for all of his uh, talents in the past and um, and production, he, you know, he was bad last year. Uh, he performed badly. Yeah. And just putting someone like uh, Krista Norfia or you know Will Venable out in right field. Someone who would play, uh, you know, a slightly above average defense, and at least, um, you know, after park adjustments, be producing something along the lines of average um, offensively. You know, that was a huge contribution to that team. Uh, yep. It sounds like what you're saying is is that's roughly the thing uh, that the Reds uh, have undergone. It, I mean, you said Willie Tavares, uh, who? Because I know Votto yeah. uh, missed part of last season. I, I forget exactly who yeah, was filling Votto in. I think oftentimes Ramon Hernandez was. Um, sometimes Ramon was hurt as well. So they basically had the catcher playing first base uh, for them, and then they'd have Hannigan behind the plate, and Hannigan's a better defender. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Votto being healthy the whole year was huge. Um, Roland being healthy, you know, pretty much all year was huge. I mean, they basically replaced Roland this year. They had uh, they had Roland this year. Last year they had kind of a hurt Roland who had no power. Uh, you know, in the time that they had him, he got in base pretty well. But before then, they had some combination of Adam Rosales and Edwin Encarnacion, and Edwin had just a horrible year uh, last year. I mean, given what we had hoped he would do, which, you know, going into that year, um, you know, he was sort of viewed as kind of a 280 hitter who, you know, might give you a 350 on base percentage and 20 homers or so. I mean, that was a pretty good, pretty good hitter, and he instead was just, you know, catastrophically bad. You know, and again, it, it, I mentioned Willie Tavares as being, you know, so the other prime example of this. But, you know, the catchers also didn't hit that well last year, whereas they, they really picked it up this year, I think. Hernandez in particular was, was, has just been really good for us this year. And, um, so I think that, that has been the recipe. I mean, the only, the only black hole had been Orlando Cabrera hitting number two for us, but, uh, and he doesn't really field well enough to justify that either, but, you know, it's worked for him. It's, it's been okay. Well, let's uh, yeah, let's talk actually about that shortstop, shortstop position. That's kind of interesting because I know uh, Paul Yanish um, has played yeah. quite a bit there this season, and I remember at one point, uh, I apologize, I forget which author posted it, but there was a suggestion, you know, that it might sort of serve as a litmus test 
for the Reds to see whether they handed the the starting shortstop job uh, right back over to Orlando Cabrera when he returned from injury, or if they would do something that you know might be slightly more uh, dangerous from a player personnel standpoint, or kind of like a uh, you know team health standpoint, but maybe more. Uh, Helpful from an actual production standpoint, and and essentially let Janish keep playing. I'm curious. Um, well, how has that unfolded since Cabrera returned? And you know, I guess what's it going to mean for the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, basically, as soon as Cabrera returned, he was back in the lineup until he got you know he's had some continued problems with his obliques, and I think that's basically the only reason he hasn't started. Um, I don't think he's starting tonight, and didn't yet, didn't yet, well yesterday was a different case, but. Um, you know, I don't have a, a window into the eye of Dusty Baker or the mind of Dusty Baker. My, uh, you know, I've heard people talk about his sort of belief in karma and not wanting to upset the karma on the team, which is always, I, I think that's kind of fascinating on some level. Because he's a, and I because think he's his, a Buddhist? His, is he's that sort the, of a, he's a <laughs> I, I'm not aware if he has the, the, the statue in his office or anything. But He looks a little bit um, like the Buddha, at least in the, the mid-session, maybe. <laughs> I don't want to say that. Okay. <laughs> he, he, uh, I mean, he definitely seems to be one of the people that buys into this idea that you need to, um, I think you need to go with the team that got you there, and he feels like Orlando Cabrera is the guy that got him there. I mean, my view on Cabrera before the season was that I thought he would hit better than Giannis, but I thought Giannis was a far better fielder. And it's sort of how bad a fielder Cabrera is is basically what determines who's going to be the better player there. Offensively, I don't know that really there's that much difference anymore. And Giannis is, um, you know, I don't mean to exaggerate, but, I mean, he's he reminds me of Adam Everett sometimes out there. I don't think he's probably quite as good because very few were, but... And the guy can pick it. It's really fun to watch him in, in the field. And he's hit, you know, about league average before park adjustments, but still about league, league average this year, which is a lot more than I thought he would. But, yeah, I think if Cabrera's healthy, he, he will be playing. That's okay. pretty much the way it's going to go at this point. Um, I want to get to some other things too, especially the the playoff run here. But but we we discussed Dusty Breaker, uh, Dusty Baker briefly. Um, uh, we mentioned him and. It uh, just so happens in the last couple of days here, uh, maybe it was today. In fact, he signed a, a three-year extension with the Reds. Um, you know, Baker's obviously gotten his fair share of criticism uh, from the Saber set, uh, in particular his treatment of young pitchers. Um, you know, it seems like, um, just anecdotally speaking, uh, all those criticisms kind of actually go back to his. Uh, Cub days, maybe you know, maybe his Giant days too. I don't know how people regard him and what he's done to Jason Schmidt, you know, uh, who was very good for a couple of years and then uh, sort of fell off the map. Um, you know, you as a sort of as a certainly as a saber oriented um, Reds fan, I'm curious as to your take on Baker. Do, do the pluses, uh, whatever they are, do they make up for the minuses, and do those minuses even exist anymore? Oh, um, I'm very ambivalent on Baker. I mean, the, the, the criticism that I hear about Baker are basically three things. One is, um, strategically, he's horrible. And I, I think that's probably pretty much right. I think he's okay with handling relief pitchers to a degree. Um, his lineups are, I think, are, are really kind of laughable oftentimes. I think he kind of stereotypes players and then fits them into this sort of rigid, stereotypical role where, you know, his center fielder or his shortstop is always going to lead off, that kind of thing. And so he's kind of a, a, a frustrating manager on that level. Um, 
the other things I hear about, you know, as far as um, abuse of pitchers, I have not really seen that with the Reds. If you, it is the case that, I mean, I think if you go and look at pitcher usage, for the most part, by and large, uh, this year, last year, really since he's been with the Reds, I found him to be pretty good. I mean, I just really don't think he's abusive at all to, to uh, at least the, to the young pitchers. Um, I think he might have broken Aaron Harang, and I'm, it's kind of hard. I mean, I tend to think whatever he's doing, I mean, Harang came back. I, I think the, the story is basically he served a release net and then pitched three days later, and kind of was never the same again. But Baker's not doing that in a vacuum. I mean, that's that's. I, I just don't think that that's only Baker's call, and that he would be the only person involved in that. And again, as far as the young pitchers are concerned, I really have no complaints about him. I also have no complaints about his handling of young players. I mean, I actually think he's been really, really good in his handling of guys like Jay Bruce, um, and Edwin Encarnacion when he was here um, was sort of a, a sort of a sensitive player, and I think Baker was really good with him. Um, so I. The main thing I see with Baker that's, that's frustrating really is just strategy. Um, I, I just don't think he's a very good strategic manager. I do think, though, in terms of people skills, in terms of getting the most out of his players, helping them sort of be whatever they can be, I actually think he's really good at that sort of thing. So, you know, I view him as, you know, somewhere around an average-ish manager, depending on how you weight those things. Maybe, you know, maybe even above average. Uh, is he worth three million a year? Uh, I'm not sure he is. I don't know how much they're going to spend on this extension. That's what he has been making. Um, but uh, uh, so I, you know, I'm sort of in, I'm kind of ambivalent on the guy. Uh, he, but he's very frustrating, you know, from a strategic standpoint. Um, and even things like these sort of extreme loyalty players, you know, you know, I don't think Francisco or uh, I don't think Cordero is going to lose his job no matter what he does. Um, you know the thing with uh, Cabrera versus Yanish. I think it's been frustrating. But do you think it becomes you know, at the same time? Uh, do you think it becomes a situation where uh, a janitor, uh, sorry, a, a general manager, kind of needs to save uh, Dusty Baker from himself? You know, like do you think that, <laughs> that like that uh, getting rid of uh, of you know Willie Tavares, like is if Willie Tavares is there, Dusty Baker is going to play him. So you just can't have Willie Tavares on the team. Is that, I mean, is that the case? Do you think? Uh, on some level, there might even be some truth to it. I mean, I, you know, that, that's been something that's been said, I think, many times amongst sort of the Reds bloggers, and that we really need to, you know, get, you know, somebody might be interested in a particular player, but you have to be aware of how Dusty is going to play that particular player. And so, you know, if you want to go after a speedy defensive center fielder, for example, this is before we had Stubbs, you can't go after a guy that's a horrible hitter too, because. Uh, Dusty's going to put the guy at the top of the lineup if he's a speedy center fielder. It doesn't matter how well, you know, if, if he can ever get on base, which Tavares really couldn't. So, I mean, there is something to that, I think. I mean, I, I don't know if, I don't think Dusty's likely to change. You know, again, I think he does have positives that are not, I think people don't uh, sort of realize, and I think they're, they are real on some level, and they probably do matter. I'm not sure how much they matter. Um, I'm also not sure how much lineups matter, though, so, you know, I kind of come out in the wash, and I think he's sort of an average-ish manager. Players sure like him. Um, and there's something to that. Right, and that's probably the hardest thing to measure, uh, you know, relative to runs, and so uh, so it's scary <laughs> for people who like to do that, um, but it yeah. does seem like, you know, um, like it could matter. Um, you know, last year, in the playoffs, um, and I know uh, Dave Cameron over at Fangraphs uh, wrote some pretty interesting articles about this. 
but he um, about the Yankees' use of their starting rotation and uh, and their relief pitchers. Um, of course, the the playoff structure was slightly different last year. I think there will be fewer days off this year, um, you know, to to kind of you know, keep things moving. But um, the thing that the Yankees did was really they were able to leverage their two best starters in Sabathia and uh, I think it Burnett at the time, and then um, and then hand the ball over to to uh, Mariano Rivera. I think that in each uh, of the series they played, at least the latter two, those three pitchers. Uh, Maybe along with Andy Pettit, pitched some absurd percentage of uh, the yeah. team's total innings, you know. And so they were. What, what the uh, Yankees did really well last year was leveraging the the, the top part of the rotation. I'm curious. Uh, you know, you said already that you kind of view the the Reds as having an average pitching staff. Um, is is it a top heavy pitching staff, and and will will they be able to leverage their rotation like that? And is that something Dusty Baker would do? Uh, they are the opposite of a top-heavy pitching staff, I think. Um, they're a deep pitching staff uh, with lots of guys who are sort of number three, number four type pitchers. Some guys that, I mean, I think the one guy that's um, capable of being some sort of an outstanding pitcher is Edison Volquez, and he has pitched really well uh, over the past month, and it's really encouraging. I mean, this is a guy coming off Tommy John surgery, and but, you know, I mean, two years ago the guy was brilliant, and... Uh, you know, if there's anybody that's going to be able to match up against, you know, whoever they're facing, if it's, you know, Roy Halladay or if it's, you know, whoever else, it's, it's Volquez is really going to be the guy. Um, and, the, you know, the, 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 the Reds as a whole, I think, is kind of a, a depth-oriented team. I mean, they have Joey Blada, but beyond that, they basically just have a collection of guys who have had really good seasons or I don't even think that really that many people have had good seasons. It's just there aren't any real weak links. Um, for the most part, up and down the lineup. And the same is kind of true of the pitching staff. I mean, they have a problem of numbers and pitchers um, uh, that, that I, you know, we haven't seen in Cincinnati. I'm honestly not sure that we ever really have seen it. You know, like you sort of go up down the list of the people who could could pitch. I mean, you know, there's Arroyo, there's Volquez, there's Travis Wood, there's uh, Mike Leak. If they, you know, I think they pretty much have shut him down, but. Um, they have uh, Homer Bailey. Um, I mean, they have a, a lot of pitchers. And even they have some guys in AAA that used to be, you know, it would have been the number four, number five starter, like Matt Maloney. And he's, you know, he can't get a job. Um, so they have a lot of depth, but they don't have, unless Volquez is able to really pick it up, they don't have anybody that's really outstanding. So it's going to, you know, it's it's definitely the case, I think, in a playoff situation, they match up better than they do. They match up more poorly than they do over sort of a full season because they are sort of a depth-oriented team. But, um, you know, it's a playoff series. Anything can happen. And it just takes one bad outing by a, an ace pitcher that, you know, it, they have Roy Halladay going up against Bronson Arroyo. And Arroyo's having a, you know, a good season. He can be a, a, an effective pitcher. Um, and if uh, the other guy has a bad night, you know, Arroyo can beat him. So, you know, you, ne- you never know what will happen. But, yeah, I, I definitely don't think that they're that much of a playoff team in terms of the classic building, you know, top heavy rotation, you know power out of the bullpen. They don't really have that sort of formula. Well, and, and so how do you view, uh, uh, because he's been amazing to watch, how do you view uh, Araldus Chapman uh, being deployed during, yeah, okay. during the playoffs? I mean, he, he's. it seems like he could become a crutch, and you know, yeah. rightfully so probably, for a manager because he's awesome. Yeah, he, he can be unbelievable. Um yeah, I mean, people have shown that they can hit the guy. Uh, it sort of depends on, you know, is his location okay? 
Um, you know, his velocity has typically always been there. I mean, sometimes he only hits 99, 100. You know, other times he hits 105. Um, yeah, when I said no power arm of the bullpen, I was really talking about Cordero. Um, but, yeah, Chapman could be a difference maker. I mean, he could be the, – the, the, the comparison you keep hearing about is, um, is K-Rod, you know, back in the Angel series, whenever that was, um, who just sort of came out of nowhere and was, you know, just this superb arm for them. Uh, David Price, I guess, is sort of the other example of the Rays a few years back. Um, he could be that guy. I mean, he he can be absolutely unhittable. Um, he can also blow up if he can't get the ball over the plate. But for the most part, you know, I, he's just been incredibly impressive. And so if there's sort of one little wild card that the Reds have, it's that they can pull that guy, you know, if they starting pitching gets in trouble in the sixth, seventh inning, they can pull him off the bench and have him go two innings and, you know, ideally just completely shut the opposition down. So, that, you know, there's, there is that. There's definitely that. Well, okay, I want to ask you, uh, I'm going to ask you in a minute here for a bold prediction uh, of the uh, the Reds and their playoff run. Uh, but I, and so I'll let you, um, you know, uh, prepare yourself emotionally for that. In the meantime, though, I have a, uh, a sort of a personal axe to grind, which is um, on the site today. Uh, I was writing about um, watching late season baseball games, and uh, you know, though I grew up in New England and uh, certainly grew up a Red Sox fan, um, it, it's kind of come to the point now where I, I really have no specific rooting interests other than kind of. Um, I guess identifying players and teams that are most interesting, you know, for any number of reasons um, that they could be interesting to to a baseball nerd. I'm curious uh, what happens uh, for you, you know, um, now that the Reds have clinched, um, and what it's like, I guess, being a a Reds fan in this sort of uh, uh, you're sort of in a, what I've described as a competitive purgatory. You know, you're not really trying to win, um, and I know that uh, during yesterday's game, uh, Willie Bloomquist uh, was batting leadoff for you, and uh, the entire team, I think, was full of non-starters. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious, is, so these these sorts of days, is it just more about speculating about, dreaming about the postseason? Uh, how, how does a Reds fan, in particular, how does uh, Justin Mary occupy his time at this point? Yeah. Uh, so my basic take on this is that it's been 15 years since we've been in the playoffs, and we clinched in about the most amazing way that you could Tuesday night with the Jay Bruce home run bottom of the ninth. And I think I'm basically going to ride that feeling <laughs> uh, for about a year now. I mean, it, it really has been just amazing. And so, you know, frankly, when I saw the lineup yesterday, uh, I thought it was really funny um, because it, it is the case. There, I mean, maybe if you call Paul Yanish a starter, uh, he was the only guy that you might call a starter that was in the lineup. But, you know, at the same time, somehow I thought we still would win. Um, and, uh, you know, I just have sort of this invincible feeling right now. It's sort of a completely emotional side of me. Um, I, I, you know, they, they uh, are beating the tar out of Houston as, I'm, as, the, as we're taping this right now. So, that's been fun. Actually, they just won. So, I don't, I mean, I think the thing is right now, it, we're just so happy that it really doesn't matter what's happening on the field right now. I mean, we're, we're, I think as a, as a whole, if I can speak to, for all of Reds, Reds fandom, 
um, this is you know just something that has been so long in the making that it really doesn't matter, and we will watch you know whatever is going on in the field and be like thrilled to see you know Willie Bloomquist leading off and uh, Lance Nix being maybe the best hitter in the lineup and that kind of thing. It's it, it's just fine. <laughs> it really is. Right. Um, okay. So like I said, I am going to ask for a bold prediction, but I'm going to ask one more question uh, before I. Uh, force you to uh, risk your reputation on that um, is it, is a question actually about next year really or uh, you know the immediate future whether that's two or three years out uh, the, the one sort of exciting thing for me as a neutral supporter coming into the season is uh, was the the amount of young talent that that seems to be um, creeping up uh, through the Reds organization. We mentioned some of the pitchers. Uh, Volquez is still pretty young. I think Cueto's young. Uh, Homer Bailey's still pretty young. Actually, Mike Leak, uh, for that matter. I mean, they, they have a lot of arms, a lot of young arms. Travis Wood. Uh, right, Travis Wood, right. And they all, um, you know, some of those guys don't have a ton of upside, but they're cost-controlled, and that's something. Uh, the other thing is, um, uh, well, of course, we've seen Votto and Bruce uh, really come into their own this year, which is nice. And then, uh, besides that, uh, there are players like uh, Will Drew Stubbs, obviously, who um, maybe his uh, his contact skills aren't excellent, but he does basically everything else well. I mean, he's essentially, correct me if I'm wrong, he's essentially Chris Young, the Diamondbacks player, um, mm. as far as his skill set yeah. goes. Uh, and then you have players like uh, Chris Heisey waiting in the wings, and, and he's pretty interesting. And then a, a personal favorite of mine, uh, not necessarily for his uh, overall uh, baseball ability, but just for, um, I guess, the entertainment value is Juan Francisco, um, uh, who <laughs> yeah. loves swinging at baseballs. Um, he just loves it to death. And uh, so yeah, I'm I haven't figured out why I'm a pitcher. Yeah, my God. Uh, well, but I'm curious as to how you see this uh, next year or two um, shaping up because it seems like they're positioned pretty well. I feel pretty optimistic. I mean, there's one other player I just mentioned because I, I, he had such an unbelievable year this year, and that's uh, he's a minor league year, but it's Devin Mesoraco, who's this uh, this catcher, who just um, he started in high A ball and mashed, and so they moved him to to a double A and he mashed, and then they moved him to triple A at the end of the season. He, he, I think his first two games he had two uh, consecutive grand slams uh, in back to back games. He had an amazing year, and he is a first-round draft pick, former first-round draft pick, that never really was able to do anything, probably was sort of hobbled by injuries for a while, um, and uh, he's also very exciting. So, I mean, there's there's even talent that isn't at the major league squad yet that really could be impactful. Um, I, you know, as far as impact, I don't know that Juan Francisco is ever going to be able to hit the baseball, but uh, he sure is fun at <laughs> some level. I call him El Nino Um <laughs> Yeah, this this team is exciting. I mean, the fact that they've been so successful this year, too, is really encouraging. I mean, at some level, you know, we've been expecting them to kind of break out and at least be a 500 team, maybe an 85-win team for a couple of years now, and they never have uh, sort of pulled that off. And you start to sort of, you know, question, you know, what what really does it take? Do I really know as sort of, you know, a, a hobbyist analyst sort of type, do I really know what it takes to put together a winning team? Uh, so to see them do it this year is very encouraging, and then uh, to see that there's really not a lot of drop-off. I mean, I, I think there's a decent chance that Arroyo leaves, but I'm not sure that that's that big of a deal, uh, given that the, the pitching depth that they have and um, the fact that it would clear $12 million off the payroll. Um, I think they, they have a really good chance at having a nice run here, you know, maybe being sort of a 
uh, I'd like to think sort of Minnesota Twins type of a team for a few years at least and uh, and sort of sustaining that success. I mean, that, I think that's sort of where they could be headed, and I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah, and uh, I, I have uh, in the meantime looked up uh, Mesa Rocco's stats, and uh, I think that uh, as soon as we end this conversation, I'm going to uh, proxy him in a nerdy uh, fantasy baseball league that I'm in. Uh, oh, yeah, you, you need to. I'm going to go he, ahead. I think you... He, lit, he literally could be starting if he continues to hit the way he's hitting now. He could be starting for the Reds mid next year. So if you have any kind of a keeper, you know, type of thing. Well, yeah. And what would, happen, some, what would happen to Hernandez and Hannigan in that case then? Uh, I got to check on Hernandez's contract. I can't remember if he has another year or if he's a free agent. Um, he may have an option for the next, for next year. Okay. I think yeah. If I remember right, he has an option that kicks in based on plate appearances, and I don't think he's getting the plate appearance number he has. So he may just go. I'm not sure what they're going to do on him. But Hannigan, I think, is still under control. I mean, certainly I don't think he's even arbitration eligible yet. And he's, um, you know, he frankly could be a starter. Uh, I mean, he's a really good defensive player, and uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of power, but the guy gets on base. Um, he's a, he, he walks more than he strikes out. He puts the ball in play. He's got a good eye. So, he, I, you know. I think they're going to be okay at catcher, especially if Masaraco can sort of continue on and become, you know, a really sort of full-fledged starter here uh, and, and do anything like the sort of promise that you sort of start dreaming about when you see his minor league numbers this year. Uh, they're going to be okay there. Okay. All right, Justin, uh, we, we've come uh, towards the end of the podcast. We're not all the way there because um, I have to get now from you your bold prediction uh, for the Reds and their playoffs, and this is a, an opportunity for you to speculate wildly and, uh, you know, when wrong, uh, throw your uh, reputation as a uh, saber, saber expert down the toilet. Uh, I'm going to demand it of you, though. So if you would please uh, tell me, uh, how, how is this uh, postseason unfold for your Cincinnati Reds? Yeah, this is really unfair to somebody that, <laughs> from my, my perspective. Um, I, I'm just going to go out and say it. I think they're going to the World Series, and I think they're going to win it. Yeah. Uh, I think they'll go uh, best of five. I think they'll win, you know, in five. I think they'll win in six, and then I think they'll win in five. And I completely picked that out of my uh, uh, out of the air. Out of the air, right? Yeah. Uh, well, that's good, and uh, and so all the. Uh, Sort of a hate mail can be directed towards. Uh, well, you have a, a Twitter account, yeah. I believe, right? At uh, Janaz. Uh, uh, can all yeah, at Jan. Right. Good. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's that's based on really hardcore analysis. <laughs> I could totally tell uh, that you were uh, scan, uh, scanning the spreadsheets. Uh, as you spoke. Well, listen, um, Justin, I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, it's uh, a great pleasure for me to be able to talk to. Um, smart baseball guys who have a uh, special insight to a team and and this has uh, definitely been no exception so uh, 100% of my thanks to you sir well thank you very much it's been fun good I, uh, I'm glad that's been the case and uh, again uh, I do uh, wish you and your Cincinnati Reds luck it would be fun to watch your as Chapman uh, during those playoffs if nothing else um, once again I'll uh, remind our listeners this has been Fangraphs Audio and that uh, to the best of my knowledge I have been Carson Sestouli. Thank you very much.